0: Yeah, he's
1: about to see you I say now Benson, Jack, Benson
2: Joe Benson, Jack, Benson, yeah, ja,
0: Welcome to episode 238 of Up for Discussion, the emotionally honest comedy podcast where we take your questions and dish out hot truths and tasty goofs. sometimes am Tom night.
1: I'm Juniper May. And I'm Sarah Malika. Yay, Sarah. Welcome back. Thank you.
0: Uh, Before we start the show, uh, at the beginning of the show, we like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and surrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. Um, As settlers, we think it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own lands, uh, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. So we want to encourage you to take some time to reflect on your relationship with this land and with the indigenous communities of that area. I had a fun moment today where someone in my Facebook feed posted something. He's like a mega church pastor. I don't know why I'm still Facebook friends with this guy, but... Mm. Yeah. For the it's wall. just fun to observe
2: so yeah sometimes you're like it just reminds you why you're not in that life anymore yeah. and you're like the right this is why I left okay that's <laughs> it and
0: he had posted a Facebook status asking if someone were to do or if you were looking for a podcast about like church planting in Canada, what would be some of the topics you'd want to cover So I just immediately laid into him and I was like, how about like colonialism and the fact that it's super problematic that white dudes from the states keep moving to other countries to try and preach Jesus to people who don't want to hear it mm, yes, satisfying.
2: Less every time i go to like a church meeting i'm like so what are we doing about the indigenous issues in our community <laughs> and they're like uh and i'm like ah yeah. I See. <laughs> well
0: that's it and then i and then i responded and was like snarkiness aside like i do actually think that's a really important thing for churches to be thinking about because like you know whatever your stance is on church planting like you are not the people who were here first and if you're trying to bring the gospel to people who don't necessarily want it how do you be good neighbors to them anyway mm-hmm. right so yeah
2: No, it's a complex
0: issue. That was my little (laughs) moment of that (laughs) this week. Um, So we're joined today by Sarah.
1: Hello. Welcome
0: back. Last time you were here, we had a really great chat about like creating, I guess, like inclusive performance spaces. Yeah. Um, And we brought you back for our teacher series because in addition to teaching, you're also one of the inclusion coordinators at Montreal Improv. So that is your job. Yes. Um, uh, And the producer of color outside the lines. And so kind of a lot of what you do in life is teaching people about specifically that kind of stuff, right? Yes. Uh, how do you find that sort of plays into like your teaching job like in schools?
1: Uh, how, do, how does teaching about inclusion play into my teaching job?
0: Yeah, I guess like does that factor in at all or?
1: Yeah, it's interesting um, because the school communities are getting more and more diverse, mm. um, but there's often Teachers who have been at schools for maybe like 25 plus years Mm. and the world really like the discourse that we're having has For sure changed very much in the past five to seven years Mm. Um, I was telling a friend recently that up until five years ago uh, a lot of my friends who are I'm a person of color myself and who are people of color that that was something still to be ashamed of like Everything that we did was trying to blend in as much as possible Mm. and to have people not out us as others. Um, and so the world And versus now, we have, we're creating spaces and we have spaces to feel proud of our, our heritage and who we are and the way we look. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, difficult for some teachers who've been in the school system for so long to have the discourse change so rapidly. Sure, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, to try to broach those topics with them in a way where... You are still like I still appreciate that you have thirty years of teaching, but this is also where the world is at in twenty nineteen. Right,
0: it's like your experience is valid, but also for sure. So is mine. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Fair enough.
1: With and with this with the students, it's really interesting because the students are a lot more in those conversations themselves. Mm. Um, they have more in, like, in the media more than ever, they have people who look like them, which is really cool. Like, there are artists like Lizzo, which, again, just didn't exist at all five years ago. Yeah. Where somebody can be like, that's my body type, or that's what I, yeah, that person represents me. Right. Um, and so it's really great to talk to the kids about the different role models that they have, because they have such a, yeah, they have such a new world to look up to.
0: Yeah, I definitely think a lot about how, like, this generation of kids, like... Like, the, the world they're growing up in is one where they have so much more opportunity to be woke than we did when we were in school, you know? Like, they, they're just having these conversations way earlier than we did, and, like, I, I don't know, I think that's very cool and good. Yeah, I think that's
2: fantastic, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, like, because I have experience as, like, an early childhood educator, mm-hmm. and it was even in my classroom with, like, two, three, four-year-olds. Like, I was talking about consent. I was talking about, like, like we had some guy make a comment about One of our girls who was darker skinned who used coconut oil in her hair and he's like, she stinks like coconut And I had like I sat down and I had a conversation with the whole class about it I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, we're gonna like parents are like I can't talk to my three-year-old about that I'm like you definitely can talk to your (laughs) three-year-old about it and you need to because if your three-year-old has Racist opinions they picked that up from someone and they can also Mm -hmm. pick up non-racist opinions Mm -hmm. if you talk to them about it
0: Yeah, definitely also, of all the things to like hate the smell of, coconut oil is great. It's great. I know. The, and I was like, it's just wrong. And I was like, I
2: wear coconut oil in my hair like every day I go to school and he never said anything about me. So I was like, okay, what's going on here?
1: <laughs> For sure. And sometimes there are conversations where it's uh, not necessarily coming from a totally malicious place, but like... More of an ignorant place. Yeah, like we, ha- I do have students, for example, who wear the hijab, and when the whole Bill 21 thing yeah. was going through, some students were like, uh, just like, I don't understand why they have to wear a hijab. And it's not necessarily coming from a place of uh, hate. They They just really don't understand what's happening with this bill and what's right. happening with their peers sort of thing. Yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean i guess if it's not your own experience right your your gut response might just be like yeah i mean it's not a big deal you can just take it off yeah no like i can't (laughs) that's the point and i won't that's yeah
2: Mm -hmm. and that's why those conversations where you can teach your peers why it's important and having like a space where you're able to like explain that to them and feel safe explaining it is so important for sure
0: cool well i mean good on you for like being (laughs) a teacher now and like choosing to take a path where you're like trying to help shape young minds and do cool things and yeah I just I I always appreciate that in people
1: yeah I I, I,
0: like I feel like it's I almost wanted to be a teacher back in the day mm -hmm. and then at some point I was like oh no (laughs) I just I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to like do the schooling needed for it you know and so I'm always kind of like impressed by people who like Choose to do it and like make it happen because it's like you are you have such an important role, you know
1: Yeah, I want I wanted to be a teacher because uh, And especially maybe with a young like the high school age group because their opinions are still a bit more fluid They're not really settled into anything yet So you have more opportunity to be like, why do you think that or why do you use that word? Right. Is there a, what do you actually mean? Yeah, that's a question. I ask them a lot when you say like for example, when a student says, that's so gay, I'm like, what are you really trying to say? And can you actually be specific rather than just using somebody's identity as an insult? Right. So, but then uh, now if I hear them catch it and I say like, hey, they, they immediately are like, oh, I should have used a different word. So, but you have the chance to intervene early on yeah. versus uh, when you meet people in their 20s, then they might be more settled into their habits already. So, it, yeah, people can always change. But, yeah, it's interesting how quickly people... Will Settle into certain uh, Habits or things yeah
0: Yeah definitely I remember like God even just You know Facebook has it's like memories Oh goodness yeah. those are
2: those are Always so awful <laughs>
0: I feel like they're especially rough for people who like Were in grade 7 Or 8 when Facebook first kind of hit it's heyday because, Oh like, yeah Yeah right cause like you, you started using Facebook so young you posted so Much dumb shit and now you look Back 10 years later and you're like oh no yeah i I was racist in 2008 and like unapologetically (laughs) oh mine's
2: more like oh man i was manic for five years and didn't notice whoops (laughs) (laughs) that's the other thing
0: right the warning stuff the warning signs where you're like wow how did i not realize i was depressed
1: right Ooh. Uh. Ooh. Yeah. I would ju- I would write things like in case w- anybody's wondering where I've been last week, and I'm like, who was concerned? <laughs> who was wondering? <laughs> yeah. oh, no, i just felt like, like all I time. had a lot of homework, yeah. so <laughs> people were at home. Like, where is Sarah?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny the things you can like post on social media and like yeah. how you envision people interacting with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. The, the the really fun one is that at some point early on in Facebook. Um, instead of having, like, direct messages, people could post on your, like, your wall or whatever, oh, right? Yeah, I
2: st- you can still do that. Okay. But... Yeah, yeah,
0: but but back then it was, like, instead... Uh, and so, like, now if someone posts on your wall, you reply in a comment, and yeah. then, like, a comment thread happens. Oh, no, but you would, like, go back, back and then, forth. then it was just back and forth. Yeah. So you would, like, fill somebody's wall with, like, just one side of a conversation. Yeah.
2: And then if you guys had friends in common, their whole news feed was just your kind. You were like, yeah, ah, yeah that's what I wanted.
0: <laughs> now I get, like... Memories occasionally that are just like One person's response to something that I said And I'm like I don't remember what I said <laughs> I don't remember what this is about I
2: have no context this is mind
0: boggling It's the weirdest thing
1: Oh technology yeah. There were also the statuses that were like uh, Tom's a Latin I is And then you were supposed oh, yeah. to fill it in with a verb Or something afterwards Yeah. But now when it comes up as a memory It just says like Eating pizza Yeah. <laughs> yes they got rid of all the pizza right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I remember I I got, I was a nerdy kid, so I just like challenged myself to be a good enough writer to always make the is work. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, Speaking of uh, always trying to make things work, how about a segue?
2: (laughs) Ooh, super smooth. I just love your transitions more and more every episode.
0: I try really hard. This episode is brought to you in part by Chaos. Chaos! With a K. Are you looking to produce high-quality, branded content without breaking the bank? What the heck is this?
1: (laughs) I was like, maybe this isn't the music we should use. Considering, considering... Our (laughs) conversation. Oh boy.
0: (laughs) Guys, this episode is brought to you in part by Chaos. Are you looking to produce some high-quality, branded content without breaking the bank? Chaos makes content marketing easy and affordable. What is all of this bizarre music? What's happening? This track is just called Relaxing. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Ooh, for who a skeleton Ooh. <laughs> Spooky. Right. try again take three that's nice <laughs> <laughs> should we give it a minute to make sure it stays nice
0: <laughs> is there a surprise we'll see this episode is brought to you in part by chaos are you looking to produce some high quality branded content without breaking the bank chaos makes content marketing easy affordable and accessible by offering a studio on demand model and various subscription packages that make it easy to create consistent content for your audience and potential customers do you want professional sound equipment for podcasts and voiceovers
2: yeah that'd be sick right
0: how about (laughs) cinema grade cameras lenses and lighting packages
2: Ooh, i could do fun stuff with that yeah
0: how about live stream capability and event hosting (gasps) yes right Right. Ah. right Well, whether your business is starting a podcast, building a video empire or adding live streams to your social media pages, they've got a package that'll help you create consistent and reliable content for your audience. Go to createchaos.com or check them out on Instagram at @createchaos to find out more. That's chaos with a K. Don't spell it with a C. Don't don't do
2: that. Add spell the K. It with a
0: you won't find them. <laughs>
2: cool. So this brings us to the cash corner. The part of the show where we shamelessly ask you to give us money. Here at the Upford Network, we firmly believe that people should get paid for the work they do. I mean, that's just sort of a given, right? Unfortunately, without big sponsors throwing money at us, that's really hard to do. But thanks to donations from listeners like you, we're able to make it happen. Mostly. We can't pay our editor, but at least the hosts get paid. We should definitely pay our editor. Please help us pay our editor. He's really great. He does a lot of a lot of work. Want us want to help us pay our editor? Sign up to support us on Patreon. If you pledge as little as a dollar a month to us at Patreon.com/slash/upfordiscussion, you'll be joining the ranks of the fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendalyn, Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Jan, Killian. Mm-hmm. Sarah, Angelica, Will, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Kate, and Paolo. You'll get early access to bonus content, little behind-the-scenes updates, and all kinds of other sweet perks as well. Plus, if you give at least $5 a month, you get to submit the featured question for an episode once per cycle of the show.
0: Today's featured Patreon question comes from Kendalyn, who asks, Do you find there's a difference between your students' expectations slash assumptions about you based on your race and those of your fellow performers? So... So when I pinged Kendall in for a question for this one, I mentioned who our guest was and sort of what your background is. And she was like, oh, cool. This is what I'm interested in. And I was like, this is a really awesome question. The phrasing is a little sort of odd uh, and also directed entirely at you instead of being sort of a table conversation. (laughs) Um, So what I kind of get from this one is mostly like, and I'm going to basically give the table to you too, because I am white and (laughs) have very little to add to this conversation beyond, you could, like... You
1: could still add how you feel people treat
2: you based yeah. on your whiteness. That's Yeah, because yeah. there is expectations that come along with that, mm-hmm. and you can definitely subvert and break those by what you choose to talk about. That's, that's fair. an interesting... That would be an interesting perspective to have as well. Yeah. Okay, okay. We fair can enough. give you some yeah. guidance if you need it, to <laughs> yeah. I can tell you what to talk about.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, what, I, what I kind of feel from this question is mostly, like, let's kind of talk about how race plays into, like teaching situations be them academic you know whether you're in the school as a teacher or as a student right and yeah performance space because I think we all are we've all at least been students at one point and we've all been performers in some right so yeah
1: uh do you want to start with the teacher world or the performer world
0: I'm definitely most curious about the teacher world okay
1: (laughs) about how students treat me differently because of my my racial background sure or if they expect
2: different things from you than other teachers, although you might not have insight into their expectations of other teachers, but...
1: I would say, f- for sure, if I have uh, other students who are people of color, then they are like very intrigued by me and very intrigued to talk more about my life. Um, For example, yeah, even that my boyfriend is Somali, I have a few students who are East African. And so for them, that's really exciting to know that I know somebody else who's East African. And I think so well of that person that I date them (laughs) because they're really such a minority here. So for them, it's really like, oh, well, like, does he eat this? We eat this. Which, like, dialect does he speak? Because we speak this dialect. Um, And I have students who speak Arabic, and that's really exciting for them, too, to feel... Uh, not alone, also as minorities within Canada. So that's for sure um, one response. And there's also a feeling, for uh, for example, st- children are very much aware that they are visible minorities. Um, I have a lot of students who have stories like... Uh, I was praying at the mosque with my father when a brick came flying through the window and almost hit me in the head. And that's here in Montreal, yeah, and that's a student describing something that happened to him four or five years ago. So um, they really are looking for somebody to also tell them how to how do I survive this world a little bit because they're they are super aware that they're harassed at, at the metro when their peers are not or that things like that happen. Um, and so they really look for kind of courage and guidance in you as their teacher Um, and yeah and with regards to my students who aren't people of color I think there is also there is that archetype that if you are like especially a tall white man that you will immediately receive a certain (laughs) level of respect Versus I'm 5'2", so I'm a small brown lady. (laughs) So when I walk into the room, there is more of a measure of uh, can we push this person around? How do they respond? But there is this like we don't know how she'll respond yet sort of thing. Um, And with time, I do feel like I uh, earn their like respect, cetera. But it for sure feels the first month with a new class feels a lot more strenuous than I hear some of my peers Mm -hmm. explain it. Right. Mm -hmm touching on having like a POC teacher
2: from more of the student perspective, mm. I know um, that for me and my friends, anytime we have like a teacher or a professor that's a POC, we get so excited. Mm. Where there's like, yes, it's not another old white dude. Like they're <laughs> going to have like a way different perspective than the rest of academia. And it's just like, it's so refreshing and it's so encouraging one to like see this person of color succeeding in a field that like a lot of the time doesn't want them to succeed. And also to know, or to hope that the information and the teaching we're going to be getting from them isn't going to be biased in the ways it is Mm -hmm. from cis white male professors. And it's just that kind of like moment of relief and excitement. And I guess an expectation that that classroom is now going to be like a safer, more community space for you that lets Mm -hmm. you engage more deeply with the learning because you're like, oh, I feel safe. I feel represented. I feel like I'm not the only one being critical of the curriculum. Like I feel mm. like the teacher, by being who they are, is already gonna be more critical of this than a white guy who is teaching me. So there's kind mm. of that like whew, just like relief that comes along with it. Right. That's what I've found in my experience at least.
0: Yeah. I mean that makes sense, right? It's the it's it's like it's like representation, right? Like you Yeah. You it matters want to, so much. Yeah, like you wanna see people who look like you doing things and, and that makes the space more comfortable And it makes you feel more empowered and, yeah,
1: yeah, and there's such little awareness about uh, How Eurocentric the curriculums are <sighs> Oh um, my goodness Like I'll be in a science class with my students And um, person after person is just a white man scientist Right, but right? There and is like so many aren't the yeah. only scientists that exist yeah. yeah, like in the Middle East there was an enormous like an enormous heritage of science and mathematics, and none of that ever comes up in any textbook. Or like right. if it is mentioned, like, they'll talk about, like, oh, ancient Egyptian alchemists,
2: and it seems so far removed, and it seems like science before science was really science, and there's kind mm-hmm. of this, like, archaic quality that's given to it when you're like, okay, I know there's, like, modern counterparts for, like, any right. European scientist, yeah, and it's just not... <laughs> offered to you which is so frustrating. Yeah.
1: yeah, like the the Middle Ages uh in the Middle East was uh, like an extremely advanced period compared to what was happening in Europe, where people were just like dying of disease, <laughs> right? right? And nobody wants lear- to admit that. Yeah, but we learned so much more about the Black Plague and white people dying of disease than yeah. we learn about brown people making achievements that continue to support the advancement of humanity. Jeez, right. Yeah. It's How- not that we shouldn't learn about both, but let's learn about both. Let's yeah. let's balance it a little yeah. more.
2: Let's put it in a like. Yeah, I find history class lacks that global perspective mm. so often. And it's just like well why yeah
0: I mean like honestly like when you were saying that I was realizing that like high school me probably hearing anything in history class about like ancient Egyptian people probably like just my default picture of them was like the same as my default picture <laughs> of like ancient Greek people they're all just like old white dudes with beards and robes yeah. and it's like wow even in Egypt and and now I'm like that's super not accurate. But like you're a church how... kid,
2: didn't you ever watch Prince of Egypt? Come on, <laughs> well,
0: of course, yeah. But that's it. Like my my like history <laughs> curriculum was so whitewashed that like that you're it, like really like. And that's yeah. that's
2: the thing when you receive whitewashed curriculums and stories all the time, it limits your imagination. Yeah. You're not even able to picture something outside of that, or like find it conceivable.
0: Right. Yeah, that's it. It's it's crazy how like. Extremely limiting, that is, yeah, it for... definitely
1: conditions the way you think, yeah, yeah. and uh, especially with high school students, I don't think that they know that there's even another option out mm. there that like there is another curriculum other than the one that they're learning, mm. where there are people who look like them and women, et cetera, who are actually and and queer folks who are present throughout all of history, right.
2: yeah, 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 I know, I definitely kind of had that disconnect like in middle school more so being like well if we're in canada but we only learn european history does the whole world just learn european history and i was like very confused by that i was like Mm huh okay whatever i guess
0: (laughs) yeah well that's it right like you don't really like think twice about it until you're older and realize like wait a minute that was that was weird that was limiting and
2: i definitely thought twice about it i think before i got out of high school just Mm because i am kind of like at that intersection of being mixed race and like passing as white but never feeling entirely white and always being like okay there's more like i want to know about like the other history that influences Mm -hmm. my personal life Mm -hmm. why isn't that talked about here so i think maybe that's more the white perspective (laughs) of being like oh you never even think (laughs) twice about it whereas minorities in the classroom are always thinking twice about it we're like why aren't i in this curriculum
0: right yeah yeah no definitely i mean like you you touched on kind of very much in passing that like there were you know queer people in history as well who never yeah. get talked about and that I can speak to as the like, queer person like <laughs> that is something I had no idea about right like I don't think I heard of Stonewall until this year
1: yeah oh wow all of a
0: sudden everyone was talking about Stonewall a lot and I was like uh, that's huge it was the anniversary yeah and like has I? it's certainly not part of school curriculums it's like yeah somehow something but the internet also never Like I never Mm -hmm. stumbled across online until this year either. And it's like, yeah, there is so much history even associated with like, you know, as a as a white person, I still have chunks of like history that affect me that I don't know about. And it's like, oh, wow.
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting, like that queer perspective on it is a lot of the time if you look at like, like literary analysis of like correspondence between to clearly gay men or women right. in the past. They're like the friendship that they had, <laughs> yeah. the camaraderie yes, it's you're like
1: described like that. Really, or like
2: like in lesbian history, particularly there's like a period of time in the States where like spinsters would move in together for like like economic advantage. And I'm like, Bro, they gay as shit. They fucking gay. But it's like history's like, no, they were just single spinsters. women uninterested in sex, <laughs> yeah. living together. For their whole lives. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> has this, um, like, family history book that her family did, like, maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, like, bound and printed nicely and everything um, of, like, one side of her family's just whole journey you know from when they moved to canada and colonized and were horrible to (laughs) present day or whatever um and there's one really fun part that's like i think her great uncle or like great great uncle or something and it's like a photo of him with like his close friend (laughs) who is like another dude with his arms draped around him in the photo and they're like looking at the camera and it just kind of glosses over it and plays it up as like they were really good buds
2: (laughs) even like modernly, like i have an aunt who like i've never really met and like people talk oh she she keeps her distance from the family. She's very private. Like she's had a partner. They always mm. called it a partner for years and they've never told her about it. And like she's never their partner has never been to any family events. And I'm like, Oh, like I guess yeah, she's private, she has her thing. And then as soon as I came out as queer, they were like, So actually your aunt's a lesbian <laughs> and her partner's a woman and that's why she doesn't come to family events. And I was like, Guys, what the fuck? <laughs>
1: Not cool. Why yeah.
2: is this? Yeah. Anyways, that was a little
0: aside. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think uh, I, I never thought, like, in a weird way, I never questioned that there was an alternative curriculum. I just assumed oh. that people like me didn't exist or wow. had done nothing Fun. for oh, 2,000 wow. years. That's dark. I think
2: that's maybe the difference between me being, like, that little bit younger than you and being in high school when some of these yeah. discourses
1: were already happening a little bit. Because I, I, I was, even as I was sitting right now, I was trying to think about when did I realize that there were people like me in history. And right. I think I was probably 21 or something uh, wow. when I fully realized that, oh, I'd just been receiving, not even just history, but through in science or math mm. or whatever. I'd just been learning about a certain type of person over and over and over yes. again. But there were people from other ethnicities and other genders doing other things, but that nobody had cared enough to write about them.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Woof.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Which uh, yeah is a like an interesting thing to absorb in your identity of just like oh nothing uh, nothing that people like. Who look like me have done has mattered. So Jeez. it's a weird way to then yeah, and carry yourself in the world. And it's something
2: that's never explicitly said to you, yeah. but it's something that you kind of like, well, if I'm not seeing it, if no one's talking about it, then I guess it doesn't exist. Right. And, it, and again, it like limits your imagination. It limits what you think you're going to be able to do in the future and what you think you're going to be able to contribute. And that's, again, getting back to why representation matters so much. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you know people like me have achieved and contributed, you're like, that means I can achieve and yes. I can contribute. Right. And that's when I see students get excited and i'm like yes be excited you have so much fucking potential <laughs> yeah, Anyways, yeah. Well,
1: that's it and
0: that that kind of ties into like i guess sort of the second half of Kendallin's question um that ties into the work that you do at montreal improv right mm. where like I- improv comedy historically is pretty freaking white and and male heavy mm-hmm. and like
1: all comedy yeah mm-hmm. oh, all comedy yeah
0: <laughs> that's yeah fair enough um and i feel like it's Increasingly becoming less that obviously, but but I think that there's still a lot of intentionality that needs to happen to like change make that those Change, yeah,
1: for sure. Because if you grew up uh, thinking that you that nothing anybody who looked like you, what like did was deserving of having a voice, it's very hard to uh, think that you deserve to get on stage in front of people and mm-hmm. that you're deserving of that space. Um, I was like. I I was lucky in high school that I was in a kind of um, high academic program where they kept telling us, you all have so much potential, et cetera. So then when I came into the world of comedy or performance, there was a little voice in my head that was like, you do have potential, go get on that (laughs) stage. Um, But it's really difficult for, yeah, for marginalized people, be that women or people of color or queer folk. Or Or especially people at those intersections. Yeah. Because like a lot of the time we talk about
2: like inclusivity in it touches on one or two but like never the combination of them yeah if
1: you're multiple aspects of that thing then yeah it becomes so much more difficult to feel like you're allowed to get on a stage and that you're deserving of having people listen to you and that you're deserving of having room to make mistakes Mm -hmm. because uh so much of what you do if the like the way that you carry yourself people can be like oh, you reacted that way because you're a woman or, like, you reacted that way because you're an immigrant. They can take it back to your identity straight away. So you really have this enormous weight of, if I make a mistake, people are going to look down upon many people who look like me. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to get over that and feel like, no, I'm I'm so deserving of space <laughs> that I'm even allowed to make mistakes. Right. Because, like, like, yeah, white dudes <laughs> make mistakes all the
2: time and have really shitty responses. And it's yeah. like, they're always the exception. It's always like, oh, well, we can reason it. But then it's, yeah, like anyone who's kind of tenuously in the space makes a mistake and it's like see this is why we don't let people like you in the space Uh, and it's then you feel yeah it's
1: for sure yeah I frequently hear like uh, oh like just a lot of people of color in our community just aren't ready for this show or something like that but and (laughs) it it feels very like oh maybe because one person of color made a mistake once or but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah it just feels really and also even if it's not one person of color making a mistake once, there isn't that acknowledgement of how difficult it is for somebody like that to get into that space at all and get on that stage at all and then there's, again, still no room for them to make mistakes. They have to come out of the gate perfect. They don't have room to grow the way that other people do. You can't
2: just be as good as the white men in the room. You have to be constantly exceeding them to be seen as even close to on level with them and it's, it's exhausting and it's so yeah. much pressure
0: yeah no kidding and then I feel like the the other thing that kind of contributes to that is like a lot of the time producers are not willing to take risks and try new things right so you'll have like say an artistic director who like has a cast that they really like and are like this is the cast that's great and like I know that if I put these like eight people on a show it's gonna be great and it's gonna sell tickets yeah. and they're like cool I'm gonna cast those eight people and then you know you might have you know talented people who aren't those eight people coming up through the ranks and like the artistic director might look and be like well I can tell those people are talented but I can't guarantee the results that I can guarantee mm-hmm. with these eight people so mm-hmm. I'm gonna just keep casting these eight people and then those talented people rising up were are like well I don't see anyone who looks like me up there because it's the same eight people so I'm just gonna you know quit, yes. quit. That's and a- then
2: I think another thing that's kind of that same idea of like what's familiar what's safe what works is even when there are roles or spaces made for poc or other minorities they're like very specific roles you have to fit into mm-hmm. maybe less an improv because improv improvised but there's a very much like oh if you want to be a person of color in this space you have to be a person of color this way this is the formula right. if you're not if you're outside of this we don't know how to handle you and it's uncomfortable and we're not gonna make the adjustments to accommodate that so don't be here
1: yeah, you still almost have to be a person of color who understands, uh, like, North American humor. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, like, I didn't... Re- I I don't think I had a TV or, like, or access to regular American programming. F- maybe, yeah, until very recently. So right. things like The Simpsons or something like that, I just couldn't watch it. And, yeah, I, I did not have the internet until, like... <laughs> Until I was 12 or something, so it's not like I could stream it or even at right. that time So then I, yeah, sometimes I find myself in spheres where I'm missing references And then I'm treated as uh, just being not funny because I can't do comedy in that specific <laughs> in that sphere specific of comedy Or there's
0: the same thing as the other yeah. yeah,
1: or people don't want to take risks on shows that don't appeal
2: to the audience But the audience, big air quotes on this, that they're speaking about is kind of like The white audience and they're like well there isn't an audience for the shows you want to do and it's like there is they're just not coming to the shows you do right now because the shows you do right now aren't for them if we make shows for them they will come (laughs) i have seen this with shows that my friends put on like my friends just did the fringe circuit Mm -hmm. and their show there's two shows one of them's a solo show it's about my friend's experience being a person of color taking on racism online Mm -hmm. and just like her experience and like most of the times I've been to her show it's been packed and there's been tons of people of color in the audiences and then they do like um, a social justice cabaret there's like three of them and it's kind of like, it's an improvised it, it's it amazing Monica takes the internet Monica or? versus the oh, internet Monica is the first one and then Love Dub okay. is like the second show that Monica does with KP who's the artistic director for the other show and then her partner Tony or Monica's partner Tony mm-hmm. and yeah like I went to that show in Edmonton and there was like behind me there are these two like indigenous men sitting and like the first thing they address in their show is like the issue of indigeneity and the issue of like performing on indigenous lands and the guys behind me were just like wow (laughs) like i feel so seen i feel so heard and they were just like calling out and interacting with them Mm -hmm. on stage and they're like i've never had a show acknowledge me like this before Mm. and just like like there is the audience for it but these established spaces don't want to take the risk or right. don't know how an audience of color is going to fit into their view of their art. Right. So it's like oftentimes we end up creating our own alternative spaces, but mm-hmm. I want to like merge the mainstream and the alternative and I want to right. be part of the mainstream because we deserve to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: And uh, all of these acts are a teaching. <laughs> like anytime somebody <laughs> comes up to me and they're like, I don't... Uh, I don't understand why, you're, like, uh, I need to cast this type of person. Or they're like, well, I just don't do it because I want to avoid tokenism or, uh, or whatever. Or or creating <laughs> shows, like, t- putting in the effort to create shows about people of color. To mm-hmm. That's still a form of teaching of trying to make it available to other people to understand why your identity is, like, marginalized and why it's important to you, mm-hmm. etc. So... I'll, yeah, in terms of teaching in performative spaces, sort of any conversation you have or any act you do or any time you have to assert yourself or explain yourself or is an act of, of teaching.
0: Right. And that's uh, exhausting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's often free teaching. It's that so much just unpaid labor. People yeah. for you to offer them constantly. I, right. Or even if they yeah.
2: ask you for it explicitly, like as a service, they're still expecting you to do it like
1: for you free because it's improving the
2: space that you're a part of and it's for your sake and the sake of people like you and I'm like pay <laughs> hire an inclusivity director pay right. them
0: yeah that's it yeah it's I I feel like the, the fear of the fear of tokenistic casting is such a toxic thing because like
2: and if you want to avoid tokenism talk to your actors yeah. <laughs> get their opinion get their input have someone of color be part of the creation team,
0: yeah.
2: And then, wow, it won't just be a bunch of white people <laughs> writing about people of color and representing them wrong. A concept, whoa. <laughs> well,
0: that's it. Like, <laughs> like as a person who produces a lot of shows, like as a as a white person who produces a lot of shows, I am like conscious of casting choices, right? Like, I'm conscious of who I hire at any given point because I know, like, like the pressure the pressure that I feel is one to make sure that I am casting in a way that like does hit a bigger audience right mm-hmm. like the reality of it is is like I can't just have like a room full of white people and expect the show to hit like a diverse audience and mm. I you know could cast shows and make them just hit a white audience but I don't want that because that's boring yeah. I, like I, I just it's not interesting to me to only hit one type of person with the work that I'm doing and so I'm like okay well like I have to just be comfortable with like you know if I'm hiring new people like try to fill holes that are there right Mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. you can't be afraid of that looking like tokenism because like if you're afraid of tokenism and you just don't hire any people of color then like it's just as bad (laughs) it's like mm -hmm. you you, what you do is you hire people who are good yeah who fill that role and like talk to them and let them be part of the production right and And it's like that's what I was gonna say that's something I appreciate
2: (laughs) about you is you definitely are willing to admit I don't know like you're coming with a perspective I don't know and I need to learn from you and I'm gonna take a back seat like you were very intentional about Mm -hmm. who you wanted to host this episode even though one of us (laughs) didn't show up (laughs) which I appreciated I was like okay good and it's like yeah like you were like I'm gonna take a back seat I don't know much I can't speak to this I'm gonna give you the floor and then it's not tokenism because you're not
1: like telling us how to be us right or being like oh you're like no, like let's hear your perspective. It's also very easy to understand what tokenism is. It's right. like is five percent of your group mar- a marginalized right. person compared to the other ninety right. five? Right? Do you choose the same one person over and over and right. over and over again? That's it. Like yeah. you've learned tokenism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not people be like, yeah. I'm afraid of it because I don't understand it, and I'm like, what's so <laughs> difficult to understand? That's it. Uh... And also, I uh, just to backtrack, I yeah. never mind if somebody sends me a message or an email and is like. Hey Sarah, I really don't understand this like element of inclusive casting or whatever mm-hmm. or the way that somebody responded to this or can we meet for coffee or like when there's a good time for you can we meet and have this conversation because then there's an acknowledgement from the other person that they're asking me to do like an of labor or yes. to yes. give them free tea or whatever and I'm like yes that's why I became an inclusion coordinator that's right. why I'm a teacher because I actually like to have these conversations it's when uh, I think that I'm gonna have a different conversation with somebody like they're like we're gonna talk about designing this poster or something like that and then they spring <laughs> right. this mm-hmm. really difficult question on me because they feel like they're sort of just entitled to ask that question right. yeah or they like they ask it and they don't acknowledge like hey this is going to require like time and preparation yeah. and like like
2: you getting in the right space to talk to me about it and they just kind of like yeah spring it on you and you're like i'm not no i wasn't ready i'm not prepared like yeah i wasn't ready to be in that emotional space right now and even yeah just that acknowledgement of like hey i recognize this is labor yeah when you have time if you have time let's talk about how sharing that knowledge looks
1: totally goes
2: such a long way
1: because then i'll know oh on this day i'm gonna have this conversation so let me be a bit more relaxed in the morning or something like that but sometimes i'll have had an extremely draining day at work and then somebody's like time for me to force this question upon you right now right yeah. And you're just like, Ugh. yeah. And yeah. sometimes it'll be at drinks, at a bar, or things like that, <laughs> oh, where people or, are like, this is the time to yeah. really get into this. Or mucera. there's lots of other
2: people around. Yeah. And as soon as they ask that question, everybody's like, oh,
1: yeah. And you're like,
2: <laughs> okay, um, yeah. I don't want to rush into this. Let me gather my thoughts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little panic moment. So please still
1: ask questions. Uh the Be listeners respectful out there. Yeah. About how you ask them yeah. and like just schedule time with the person you're at gonna right. ask questions to. Yeah. And let them know that
2: that question's coming. Right. Yeah. Be like, Hey, I wanna talk to you about this subject. Can we do it now? Do you need time later? Is that something you're comfortable talking to me about?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do it. we need
2: a mediator? Ooh.
0: For sure. Yeah. Yeah, well it's funny, like when I when I asked you to be part of this like series we're doing, I didn't know what the question was going to be for this episode. <laughs> uh there was a possibility it was going to be a really bizarre random teaching question. And then I like, you know, got a question from Kendallin and I was like, the guest for the episode is like Sarah, who's been on before, and she was like, Oh, I actually have a question for her, cool. And I was like, Okay, cool. And so I immediately sent it to you and was like, Here's here's what this is. And like I wouldn't have like you know a question like this like I wouldn't have just assumed that like any person of color would be like happy to answer it right I was like you know I know my co-hosts will be happy to talk about this because like when I hired you guys I was like <laughs> I was pretty clear that like this show will have us talk about things that are hard and, and I was very much like, like I want to that's it yeah. yeah and so I was like I'm, I'm sure like you know anyone that I have hired will be happy with this Mm -hmm. but i don't know off the top of my head like you know if this wasn't you know a thing that you do for work i wouldn't have assumed that like you would definitely be down to talk about this right like because you can't just assume that people are going to want to educate people
1: for sure because uh also um i i yeah i'm happy to answer the question because yeah as i mentioned like these are the jobs that I do in life. Right. Um, but it is uh, it is like a question affiliated with pain because mm-hmm. being treated differently because of your race uh, is often something that makes you... I, like, I genuinely, on a weekly basis, feel like people sometimes are chipping away at my sense of humanity or dignity. Mm-hmm. This is a genuine feeling I have every single week, and I have to spend a lot of time uh, making myself feel like I'm... I have value and I have worth and I don't need to be erased. Um, So and some people don't like I also have friends who are people of color who would would say, no, people don't treat me differently because of my race, because it's too painful to really think about that reality. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot uh, safer for them to walk through life feeling like if I'm hardworking and I'm a professional, people will treat me fairly. And they really cling on to that that hope that if they are good at their job or they're good at whatever it is they're doing that people will be fair to them and it would be extremely painful for them to really have to think about that reality of times when people have been prejudiced to them because of the way that they look or their name or their accent yeah
2: and that's kind of like the other thing is sometimes white people who like want to learn and want to know will see a person of color and they'll be like you can immediately answer all my questions you're my access to knowledge and they A couple of different things like one expect you to be a spokesperson for like your entire race and sometimes other races every single person of color on the planet they expect you to be their spokesperson and have the same thoughts and opinions and feelings about it which totally isn't the case Mm -hmm. and they expect that yeah they can just go up to you and ask these questions but there's a reason that some of us become like make inclusivity our work and some of us distance ourselves from it and like Mm -hmm. not everyone wants to give you that teaching and they are in no way obligated to and so it's that yeah that expectation that like oh well you're you took off this box so I can ask you these questions about it like that's not an assumption you can ever make
0: yeah yeah definitely yeah I mean as like (laughs) a a fun thing for me is like I frequently get uh it's it's always the same friend who will (laughs) who will ask me very specific questions about like lgbt stuff and nine times out of ten i have the answer and the tenth time i'm like i actually really don't know that's <laughs> super not my experience right so Google it. yeah
2: like i'm like i'm non-binary <laughs> asexual and pan which is like a lot of queerness <laughs> but then people will ask me specific questions about like being trans and i'm like i'm non-binary but i'm not transgendered i haven't transitioned i've never been on hormone treatment therapy like i don't fucking know right how do you expect me to like represent a whole community that's so many diverse experiences and yeah that's definitely something they do with people of color too is like ah but like you could ask two people who even are of like the same background and have similar experiences and how they feel about the situation or how they feel about how they're treated is going to be totally different Mm -hmm. based on who they are as a person so it's like yeah like ask me questions get my opinion but don't only get my opinion get right. a diversity of opinions as
0: well yeah yeah that's it like they can't expect you to like make the rules for them right right <laughs> yeah. yeah well kendall and we hope that answers your question i feel like that was that that got some that got somewhere real good yeah I think. yeah
1: i think yeah i think yeah. it was a great question especially to ask two people who liked like talking about this issue <laughs> right. yeah yeah Cool. Or who feel will say feel comfortable addressing some of these topics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet.
0: So we have uh, about five minutes left. Oh. Um and this is the part of the show where we hop over to reddit.com slash r slash am I the asshole to tell someone whether or not they're the asshole. Yes you are. just our nice little light hearted. You're on Reddit, Reddit you're the, the, the show. <laughs> I know, right?
1: <laughs> just um, kidding, guys.
0: So Sarah, as our guest, I'm gonna give you the option between a few different ones that we've got here. Okay. Am I the asshole for not teaching a skill to my oldest son that I taught his siblings because of a custody arrangement? Am I the asshole for wiping my feet on my girlfriend's face towel? Oh,
1: wow. (laughs) Yes. Am I the
0: asshole for kicking out my girlfriend because she said my relationship with my brother was disgusting? Or (laughs) (laughs) am I the asshole for taking back an opened bottle of wine that I gave as a housewarming gift when I found out that the host and her friends were using it for wine enemas?
2: Oh...
1: I mean, I think whatever's receiving the anima is the asshole. Um. The child one, no. That was, like, circumstantial. Okay. And I feel like you could teach them the skill later in life. Potentially. The yeah. face towel one for sure. You're an asshole. That's horrible.
0: Should we do the face towel?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the context? I'm All sure right. you're still an asshole. Let's
0: dive into the face towel. Uh, this comes from Reddit user uh, Carefree. D F. That's well, all right. <laughs> uh, um. He says. I hate walking on carpeted floors with wet feet after I shower, so I try to dry myself with a towel, which I assume is common. My girlfriend has this small cloth that I've seen her use while washing her face. Since we've started living together about five months ago, I've been using her cloth to wipe wow. my feet. What about the towel ago? you're so using
2: for your body? Why don't You, don't you just go down to the shower, you have a whole towel ass towel. From
1: Walmart. Unless
2: you only dry your feet and the rest of your body is dripping. Like, for, like,
1: a, for a week, <laughs> it would have been okay. You know? Dude. But five months ago? Also, like... You can't have you believe this (laughs) tiny face towel
2: cloth thing is the only cloth available to you in the bathroom. If it is, you're planning your showers very fucking poorly. I know. Like, dude, 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 Uh, dude, Is
1: there more to this? There is
0: more, he goes on to say She recently caught me doing this and she blew up saying that I'm dirty and freaking out about her skin cleanliness. She's upset at the idea of unknowingly washing her face with something that's touched my feet Yeah, fair. But I feel like my body is exceptionally clean since I've just gotten out of the shower She's disgusted with me and claims that you shouldn't wipe your feet, face, and ass with the same towel, but I believe it's not a big deal When did the ass come into this? Hang on (laughs) Yeah, don't, don't (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: Man, um, uh, <laughs> this is why I body. don't date them. <laughs> Uh, now he says, "Note that she's not scared of dirt and frequently gets messy while skateboarding outside. So I don't know why she's suddenly so sensitive about this. Maybe she's face? upset because I took her face towel, but I strongly believe we should share items since we live together. It's not like those. Clothes okay, but are that's expensive. something you
2: should talk to then her get about a new before cloth, you do it, or keep one just for your feet. <laughs> like if you think it's important that you share things, like cool, but they have to also want to share things. Consent isn't just about sex; it's yeah.
0: about a lot of things. I'm, I'm noticing an <laughs> consensual edit. sharing. Oh, okay. He, he put an edit at the end of." The the post that says, okay fine, I'm an asshole. I'm gonna look into getting my own towel. Thank you.
1: <laughs> also like what are you drying the rest of your body with? Just like <sighs> Cause like your your face can break out Because of just anything Like yeah. the wrong gust of wind could hit your face <laughs> yeah, And you I changed, could get acne I
2: changed my hair oil and now I'm like
1: wow
0: Sometimes wow. I have a negative thought and I get
1: <laughs> Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah so. no you're stressed and your face is like bah. You're like oh cool You're depressed your face is like
1: huh. oh, If you're not getting a pedicure when you shower Every single time Then whatever's on your feet should not be Touching somebody's face <laughs> Yeah. Especially yeah. if there's a very easy alternative
0: mm-hmm. Yeah I feel like <laughs> it's, it's
1: like why, why did you even
2: have to ask the internet that yeah. dude
0: it's it's one thing if it's like you like wipe your hands on their face towel after washing your hands and you're like kind of like oh sorry i didn't realize that was specifically for your face you know yeah. like that happens yeah but, there's
1: a frame of time where it would have been acceptable yeah. like a f- i'm sure she freaked out because it was five months later Especially and yeah. she was <laughs> like have you been doing this the whole time and he
2: starts it with I've seen her use it for washing
0: her face. Yeah. So you
2: know she uses it on her face.
0: Yeah. But I'm like, I'm of the firm belief that you should own enough towels that you can have a different towel every time you shower. Yeah. and And if that means you have, like, three towels and you do laundry every two days, or if it means you have, like... 20 towels and do laundry once a month like you you should have like I, I'm a firm believer in not using the same towel twice okay I'll, I'll do
2: like two showers with the same towel
0: I, I will do that if I forgot to do laundry but like I'm I don't know I cannot fathom someone using my towel for something else right before I use it I can't yeah no nope. that's not yeah well nope. It, it, it creeps me out <laughs> hand towels for whatever reason I feel different about hand towels well
2: they're not touching all your nooks and crannies yeah anymore.
0: like up you basically only touch a hand towel right after you've washed your hands
2: with just your hands yeah but you're gonna wash again later that's it your body it's like I just washed my body now I'm drying it I'll in my nooks and crannies with this towel which I later find out is not as clean as I thought it was and I have to go wash my whole ass body again <laughs> that's a lot of work yeah mm-hmm.
0: oh gross yeah This guy's definitely the asshole. I'm glad that he at least knows. He's like, fine, (laughs) it's me.
2: I was hoping men on the internet would defend me, but they didn't. So I guess I really am wrong.
1: Also (laughs) because those tiny towels are so, like, you can literally find them at the dollar store. Yeah. And you can get four for a dollar. Yeah. My guy.
0: I don't know why he's because like, what it or sounds like, like is he's using a washcloth to dry his entire body after showering. <laughs> or is he just like drying his feet off no, that's what and the, then drip drying the rest of
1: himself? Well, no, that's what I was no, asking. He, like do you not have sound- another towel using yeah. your body, or right. are you just not drying your body? It sounded like he had a body towel, he was just using the face towel specifically to stand on. That's so weird. Yeah. Like
2: also just like yeah, buy like a bath mat and then yeah. you can just like wipe your feet on the bath mat and they'll be dry enough to walk to your room.
0: What I do because Take we- your
2: slides into the bathroom, <laughs> get your bath bathroom crocs. I don't know, dude, that just works. do something different. Yeah.
0: Well, what we used to have a bath mat and then like it it like it's hard to wash it. Like it's one of those ones where if you put it through the dryer it like gets ruined, but it takes like 30 days to air dry. So we just like <laughs> got rid of it. And now what I do is I towel off standing in the tub. Yeah. And then the last thing I dry off is my feet and I dry one off by putting it on the, like, edge of the tub. And then once it's dry, I put it on the floor and dry the other leg. So I'm kind of, like, half in the tub and half out of the tub until yeah. I'm completely dry. And there that seems go. to work
2: There you go, well. Mr. Carefree Boyfriend. Try that. Yeah.
1: There's many options. That's it. <laughs> Use your noodle. Yeah. All right.
2: Cool. Well, I mean, that like a-
0: Bizarre tone shift, wow. but a good place that for us you know to what, end.
2: <laughs> Tasty truths and goofs and whatever our slogan is. I should know that. Wow. That's okay. <laughs> hot truths, tasty goofs. The truth was hot. The goof was not tasty, but <laughs> it was a
0: goof. It was a gross goof. Don't, <laughs> don't use face cloths on your feet. Don't do it. No. Uh, but do okay. support us on Patreon. Yeah, do
2: that thing. Mm-hmm. If you
0: like the episode. If you didn't like the episode, thanks anyway for listening the whole way through. That's... Um, if you didn't like it, it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, my
2: opinion, not the studio's opinion.
0: Don't worry. I'm with you. Okay, cool. It's the studio's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're interested, we have merch. You can click the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public. And there's a sale on uh, this week from the 18th to the 22nd. You can get up to 35% off on everything I'm
2: sick! Now I can get a T-shirt and wrap my work. I feel like the T-shirts are
0: like thirteen bucks, which for a T-shirt hey, is not bad. That's
2: good, y'all.
0: Until you remember that T Public is in the states and mm-hmm. the shipping ends Shh, up being. Sh- like, sh- <clears throat> anyway, so if you're listening from the states, buy our merch. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening in Canada, find a friend in the states and <laughs> get them, <laughs> and then go home. visit them. Yeah. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating or review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. And for every new review we get during the month of September, we're going to be donating a dollar's worth of school supplies to a kid in need, most likely through the Clear the Lists campaign, unless I find out something horrible about it between now and the end <laughs> of the month, in which case we'll find a different way to do it. But so far, so good. Uh, you can share this episode with a friend who... Uh,
2: Needs to question the curriculum.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> share this episode with, with someone who's afraid of... Um, wow how did i forget the word tokenism share this episode with a friend who's (laughs) afraid of like having hard conversations and also share this episode with someone who has bad towel hygiene
2: yeah we'll call him out
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) you can follow us on social media at down with talking um and does anyone have anything to plug while we're here bearing in mind this comes out on the 17th
1: that's great So shortly after you listen to this, if you live in Montreal, there will be LadyFest Montreal, a women in comedy festival. Uh, And I, in particular, am producing two shows on September 22nd. One is called They Go Low, We Go Laugh. Uh, It's a brand (laughs) new show, and it's for women of color and from marginalized ethnicities to try or do comedy any way they want. So you will get to see maybe stand-up storytelling Monologues, characters, oh, lots I'm of different so excited. things uh, And the second show is A show I've been producing for This will be the third time I produce it for Ladyfest It's called Color Outside the Lines mm. uh, And it is also a show It's a predominantly an improv show But they are to showcase people From marginalized ethnicities And people of color also So yeah, I repeated myself mm. a lot
2: but. So, so on the, on the where would there. one purchase oh. Tickets for these shows Great. And the fest at large
1: Question Uh, I'm pretty sure it's ladyfest.ca or montrealimprov.com will also have the tickets for both those two shows. Thank you. No problem.
0: I'm testing out. Ladyfest.ca does exist and doesn't have tickets up yet, but it might just not be yet.
1: They will. By the time you listen to this on the 17th, for sure, all the tickets will be up. (laughs) Sweet. Yeah. But it it should be a really great weekend all around. So if you see any of the shows that weekend, I for sure recommend it.
0: Sweet. I think Tefer might actually be part of one of them. Yes.
1: Tefer is part of Woke Tales, which is on the Thursday, uh, which I think is the 19th.
0: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: Woke Tales is taking place at Montreal Improv at 7pm. And it's a great storytelling show, so you should also definitely check it out. Sweet. Sweet. Thank you so much, Sarah. No um, problem.
0: <laughs> do I have anything to plug? Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. By the time you. this comes out. Yeah, my birthday is um. on
1: the 16th, so <laughs> oh, I'll have just turned 30. <laughs> wow. Thank <you>. Congrats. <laughs> Oh, and, uh, my, my significant other is in a new CBC yes. comedy show called oh. Tall Boys. Please watch Tall, tall Boys, Boys on September 17th at 9 p.m.
0: Oh, cool. That's the day this comes out. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. Right Sweet.
1: before Baroness Von Sketch. Nice.
0: I, uh, I loved the... They did like a music video about being tall in the club. <laughs> yeah. That was very good.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: cool sweet uh i think i don't have anything else to plug so i'm good should we give some special thanks and get out of here
2: oh yeah right special thanks (coughs) special thanks to crackers and jam my boy joseph (gasps) for letting us use the title track off their ep benson as our theme music you can find all their music for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com this show is produced and edited by tom zalatni from the upford network um and he's great Give us money so we can pay him. Thanks. <laughs> you can find out about all of our great shows at UpfordNetwork.com.
0: Thanks again. See you next week when we wrap up our teacher series by talking to Matt Goldberg from Confabulation. Ooh. Ooh Sarah, thank you so much. This is amazing.
2: My
1: pleasure.
0: You rock. Bye. Yeah, to see you. Hi there, I'm Nick Hughes. And I'm James Hughes. And we're political. We host Canada's Young Leaders, a show on the Upward Network. For our second season, we are looking at this year's federal election and talking to young candidates from each of the major political parties about their
1: views for Canada's future. So for insight into the debates being held at the highest level of our country, tune in to Canada's Young Leaders every Monday on the Upward Network. Hey, I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. We take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams, with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey Don, what do you think of Changing on the Fly? Not the left-wing, pinko-media, bleeding hearts guys. What are you, nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at changingontheflypodcast.wordpress.com.